1: Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess.
0: Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Sorry, we had a special guest on that we were recording with before this, so we're a few minutes late today. But welcome and happy Wednesday, and let's do the quirky tip of the day, eh? All right, I got to take a hit of the cigar here. I guess we call it a puff. That's it's a little a, more classy. It's a cannabis <laughs> cannabis cigar. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just a regular cigar. Okay, my quirky tip. You guys, I have screwed this up twice on the podcast, and I have to write myself. Lima is an acronym frequently used in dog training, right? And the first podcast for the Behaviors podcast, I said Intensive. I was talking about the Veterinary Behavioral Organization a few weeks ago, and I said invasive. Lima stands for least intrusive, minimally evasive. That is my quirky tip. I'm sorry I botched it twice. It literally has not been intentional, but apparently the I is really hard for me to realize. So the quirky it, tip today is that's what Lima actually stands for, least intrusive, minimally aversive.
1: I thought it was LLAMA. <laughs>
0: least abusive <laughs> he, 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 he thought it was llama probably the whole time there's two l's in llama all right today we are going to talk about feeding dogs fat dogs skinny dogs dogs and feeding basically because this comes up a lot um i thought we were
1: gonna talk about dog obesity
0: well we're gonna bring that up too but like just structured feeding alone tell us what you think the benefit of that is and how far and wide it's spread with our clients
1: well i'll open with, I think, that Americans, maybe just people in general, love to feed animals. You know, they like to throw... uh, Food is love. They love to throw pieces of bread to the pigeons. They like to, you know, feed the fish, and they like to feed everything. I remember when I was a kid, we'd go to the Clark's... uh, bears up in new hampshire and we'd put peanuts in a cup and then we'd pull a string and the cup would go up and feed the bears everyone loves to feed animals that's why they have all these signs at the zoo don't feed them signs (laughs) everywhere that say do not feed the animals because they're giving them popcorn and bubble gum and all this crap they shouldn't be eating you know so we have this obsession with feeding animals wildlife as well as our domesticated animals and i think it is it's a way of loving them in a sense or maybe connecting with them where oh we threw them something they ate it they like
0: they like me. They They're love me. They're
1: acknowledging me. me. Yeah. I came from like, that. Kind
0: of like an Italian mother that cooks for the whole family. Like food is love in that sense. And we get that. And there's a huge functionality to that. And oh my God, I just bought liver treats because, you know, they have good vitamin AD3 oil in them and stuff. And Scott gets the bag out. Here's one for you. I mean, we do it at home. We love it too. But you have to look at what you're feeding, the quality of what you're feeding. And then also if there's fallout from that, because we have a huge obesity issue not just with humans in this country but also with pets
1: and i I will say speaking of treats the dog treat industry has exploded over the past few years i mean it used to be uh, maybe there were one or two items you could pick up for your dog now it's like this aisles and aisles of just bags of different treats and they're like twenty bucks a bag. Yeah, some and, of these yeah, things, it's the know?
0: the pet pe, the pet industry is yeah. a billion dollar industry. So they're industry. pushing we all know it, that. and yeah. they know
1: that we love to give our dogs food. So everyone's push push. But push. even
0: even if we just talk about meals, like we have a client, um, we actually have a lot of clients from the periphery of like extended New England, living where we do now, because a lot of tourists come up. So they'll see Scott, um, you know, for a few classes just when they're in the area. But this guy's from New York. He's comes to Dover, New Hampshire, sometimes. He's trained with Scott a few times, and he called you the other day, and his husky was just kind of off the food. His
1: dog's not eating. Yeah. Yeah, Won't won't eat his breakfast. And And the vets
0: didn't have any answers or anything else. Yeah, he
1: got a full health workup on the dog and can't understand why the dog isn't eating. And it's just that the dog has matured to a point where it's no longer a puppy and it's self-regulating because it's not crazy yet. Crazy dogs will eat themselves sick and then eat the throw up and all that stuff, you know. But this dog was, you know, like many dogs, they just don't eat the breakfast any longer because... They're not hungry. Yeah, they just their metabolism
0: changes as they grow. Maybe you know we are saying, oh, was it because it was really hot? Everything else and dogs and being fat and everything—it's hard. Like I basically just go by feel. Like that's the bottom line. All of our dogs, I put on the scale regularly and. My one Border Collie could probably lose a pound. My other could lose a couple. Like, I try to be conscientious of what the dog's weights are. But more or less, it's just like, how's your muscle tone? How's your fat and everything else? And for the most part, I would say 90% of the dogs that I feel, especially in the pet dog world, are a little bit heavy. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean that, like, you have to force the dog to eat the three cups of food that it ate. When it was six months old, when it's a year, you want to cut back on that food and that's all right. A lot of times the dog food bags kind of skew your opinion of what you think should work.
1: Well, they're trying to sell dog food. So they they want you to keep piling that dog yeah. food into the dog bowl. And um, the, the worst thing I think that you can do is to start, to just leave that bowl of food down that they yeah. didn't finish in the morning because... I've had people you know, many, many times tell me, I'll you know, say, how much does a dog eat? They say, we give you know, three cups in the morning and three cups at night. And I'll say, the dog is eaten all that food? And they'll say, well, yeah. And I said, well, explain what's going on there. They say, well, you know, I give them the, the food in the morning, but you know, he usually finish it by noon or one in the afternoon. So the dog is grazing. All day long. They put all that food down. The dog is grazing. They never know how much the dog really ate because at night they just add a few more cups to what is left in the bowl. So it's just a perpetual bowl of food. And the reason that it's not good is because you never know. Let's say the dog did have a problem uh, where they're not feeling well. You don't know really how much the dog is eating or not eating. And um, if you want to do some training, it's nice to have a dog that's motivated by getting a treat. Yeah. And what most people do is they start upping the value of the food. They start putting gravy on it. They start... You know, Human just making food. better and better yeah. stuff. And if, it's like eating candy. I mean, if I'm not hungry, you know, for dinner, it doesn't mean I'm not going to eat dessert. I might enjoy it yeah. if, you know, a piece of pie, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not really hungry, but I'm eating just comfort food. You know? And the
0: structured feeding, I mean, we always recommend feeding a dog in a crate. Um, and this is, this is funny to me, like how we've lost this principle, right? Because I think of eight-week-old puppy, loves to eat, like comes home, loves to eat. Maybe it was overfed a bit at the breeders. But, you know, within two or three days, most eight-week-old puppies are like, oh, my God, food is life. So if you put the puppy in the crate and it eats, Great. Continue doing that until it's like a year old and there should be less issues with the crate. The dog should eat on a structured feeding schedule, but just changing that mindset for people and for dogs that I'm going to offer you food for five minutes, but if you don't eat, I'm going to take it away. You do nothing more than remove the food, but you're just teaching them that, like, you're going to eat when this is offered. This is a resource that I'm giving you. And behaviorally, the whole, like, dynamic of the house changes just by doing that one simple thing. It sounds crazy, but it, it, we have seen it time and time again that structured feeding really works for behavioral stuff and then also for weight and weight, you know, if you have issues with obesity and all that.
1: It really does tie into the human and their emotional need to nurture this dog for whatever reason. And that gets into. God knows what in their childhood, but I was at a house the other day. This lady has a Rottweiler, and the dog was 152 pounds. He is 152 pounds, and I said, That's the "Big dog." I said, "This dog Rottweiler. is friggin' enormous." What the hell? Are you, how much are you feed this the dog? She goes, "Up, oh, just two cups a day, two cups." I said, "There's no way that this dog is 152 pounds on two cups," and then she says, "Well, we give these milk bones, and then he gets his dental stick, and then he's got this." And I know my husband maybe gives him a little something here and there. So they really don't know how much the dog is eating, but the dog is getting a tremendous amount of calories to maintain and it's like the dog is like a sausage. Yeah. I mean, and then it's gonna have hip issues, it's yeah. gonna have joint problems. It can't really train for more than ten minutes because I'm afraid it's gonna have a heart attack. Yeah. You know, it's like just huffing and puffing, just walking back and forth in the driveway, you know. Yeah,
0: and this obesity thing, it's it's a touchy subject. Um nobody wants to hear that their dog is fat, especially if You know, even if they're a fit person, it it like offends people to say like, oh my gosh, you said my dog is fat. The vets, I used to be like under the school of thought that, well, the vets kind of like the dog's little fat. They'll probably be more diabetic, hypothyroid, everything else. The other flip side of that, and I've seen this on some threads, is vets get a lot of heat for saying like... No, you have to give heartworm as a preventative. Like Even though you're testing for heartworm and Lyme and everything else, like you have to pay for this. You have to do this. They get a lot of heat from people about stuff. And now if they're going to say, also, your dog needs to lose five pounds, they may be creating more of an adversarial yeah, people relationship. People are to find another vet. Yeah, that, then they can only pack on so much. So as trainers... Um, and I see this frequently pop up within dog training. Like It's it's okay to say, like, hey, your dog's a little bit heavy. Or if a dog won't eat at class, it's very simple to say, like, if you don't give it breakfast, maybe it'll enjoy the food more. And it's interesting. I'm going to throw these out um, after today, but I've saved these over the years. And I did um, a quick look at them and some quick math. So for dogs that were 30 pounds and under, I was tracking for a while the dogs that came and stayed with us for boot camp. So these dogs were with us for either 10 days to three weeks. So I had 26 dogs. At 30 pounds and under, and um, two of them had zero change in their weight. Five of them actually gained weight. Maybe they were puppies, or maybe they were you know dogs that needed to put more weight on, and I was adding some sweet potato to the food or something. And then 19 of those dogs had lost weight. The average weight that all 26 of those dogs had lost was one pound. So for an under 30 pound dog, for within a 10 day period or a three week period, they lost an average of a pound. The dogs that were 30 pounds plus. 30 pounds plus, excuse me, I had 49 dogs that I had records on there, and there were four of them that had gained 45 that had lost weight. So out of those 49 dogs, the average weight loss per dog there, including the gains and everything else, was four pounds per dog. So I mean, that's pretty significant that a dog that comes into our care, and that doesn't mean that we're like withholding food or anything. It's just if the dog doesn't eat, The food comes away. Like when we train, we offer treats. If they don't take the string cheese, we're not now going to go, you know, filet mignon on the, you know, barbecue to see if they're going to eat. Like this was just simple. Like we're going to offer you this if you eat great, if you don't great. And sometimes, and I do want to mention this for dogs that have trouble keeping weight on, anxiety and stress is sometimes what plays into dogs being a little bit underweight and just dogs like with stability in a crate, it allowed some dogs to gain weight, get on a structured feeding schedule and everything else. So if you're having trouble with your dog losing weight, you know, it's very simple to take a pound to five pounds off a dog a month, depending on how heavy that dog is. It's very, very feasible, just based on knowing what's going into its mouth, how much exercise it's getting, and then what the environment's like, what the stress level is like.
1: Yeah, and you really—I mean—it's so much easier to get weight off of your dog than off of ourselves. I mean, we have yeah. free access to that fridge. We go. We can drive through uh, some place to get lunch, just a drive-through. We can go to restaurants. We can you know, pick up a cookie that someone just baked a plate of cookies on the table. This constantly, you know, we have access to food and calories all the time. Whereas with our dog, we can control what they eat. So we, and you know, there are some households where there's, you know, six, seven people in the house and you don't know what the other one's doing and everyone's feeding that dog at different times. And that's another issue, but that's uh, less it's the much, issue we much see. easier to get yeah. weight off a dog than off of a person and you don't need to exercise the heck out of them. To get the weight off, all you got to do is reduce the calories. And yeah. I can say personally, I lost, you know, there's been a few times in my life where I've lost, you know, large amounts of weight. And I mean, uh, even with you, Jess, I think yeah, I lost 40 pounds yeah. at one point and I didn't exercise. I just reduced the calories every day. Yeah. And that within 6 months I had lost all the weight I needed to lose. I was in good shape and I kept that I've still kept that weight off to this day. It's been about 4 or 5 years. I gained a little bit here and there, but I don't let myself get up to that weight any longer that was not healthy for me to be at. And for me it was about blood pressure. Yeah. That was my big motivator. Well,
0: and just me and wanting yeah, to hike and, and having life with Scott and wanting to enjoy I wanted life. I want to have a love Scott. life. Yeah. I had to get
1: the weight down yeah. a little bit. But
0: even that if your vets giving you guys a hard time as far as like, you know, Your dog needs to lose weight, everything else, check about your diet and the quantity that you're feeding and everything else. We're going to go to break super quick. And when we get back, we're going to talk about more eating and weight.
1: Does your dog lack self-control? Are you looking for some answers? Would you like your dog to be calmer? Does your dog lack confidence? Canine Mindshift. Enroll in a free course today. Simply go to caninemindshift.com. That's caninemindshift.com.
0: Okay, I want to bring up um, dogs that are underweight sometimes because I know that this is a much less... Prominent issue in our country, but this does happen, and I even think of Max the Sheba. I mean, he doesn't, he has a hard time. We have a boot camp dog that comes in, like, when he's with us, he's less prone, he's less on his food than when he's with his mom. Like, I don't know how else to say that. We, she knows that, you know, there's a limit to how many nights he comes now and everything else, but like. It, it just flat out, if he sees his parents, he's going to eat all day long, and we're the only other two people that this dog sees, and he goes off food when he's with us, like I'm yeah. throwing raw hamburger in and stuff. So this the, is The
1: other side of it is now that dog is more of an emotional case.
0: I, but, but that's my point, though.
1: But then when you have the high-drive dogs that are genetically lean, like a boxer, Yeah. Uh, some of these Malinois that are just, they're all muscled, there's not a lot of body fat on them, and it's just a genetic predisposition, which is great, they look awesome, but if they don't eat they're going to lose weight really quick. And I, I think about, I left my dog at a yeah. kennel when we went on vacation for 10 days. The dog lost, what, like 10 pounds yeah, in 10 it was, days? it was a lot. So the other thing is preventing them from, a dog that's that can lose weight quick, we don't let them uh, have a lot of, open area to to pace and run around and be crazy because because they're they're burning burning calories calories. constantly yeah Yeah.
0: they can only they can only eat so much food without bloating and everything else and one thing i would talk about there if you guys are feeding kibble and you're having an underweight issue look at the quality of the kibble for sure like hands down do some research look at you know different uh proteins and carbs and everything
1: calorie dense yeah
0: um the other thing i would say and i say this frequently is add some sweet potato to the food and it sounds crazy but um we've done it as a quirky tip and we do it with our dogs and not only is it good for the digestive system, but those carbs sometimes do help. So if you have a dog, and now we have approached this from two different uh, angles, and I'm glad, the emotional angle that the dog honestly just can't like get his head wrapped around eating when he's not in an environment that he's comfortable enough to eat and then the drive angle and being a dog and everything else so you have to manage those things like a lot of people are you know giving these like appetite stimulants and stuff for dogs well if the dog's eating its full meal and it's not just eating treats then maybe cut back on the dog eating two meals a day or whatever else like we talked about i mean basically once a dog's a year regardless of the breed maybe if it's a really small dog we'll still feed it twice with all the glucose levels and everything else but once a day feeding is normally okay it's not a big to do like dogs don't eat in the morning they train all day they eat at night, that's okay. Some tips for people that do have trouble with putting weight on their dogs. Environment, I would say, hands down. What is the stress level of the environment? When our dog was kenneled, obviously he was stressful. How much access did he have to move around and remain calm? What are things that will calm this dog down? Even a dog sitting and, you know, trembling, they're burning up calories. Like, you need to figure out ways that the dog can just be calm and comfortable where it's living. And what does that look like? The more structured the feeding, it seems, with dogs like that, the better.
1: Oh, can I interrupt? Yeah, go ahead. I would say bring a stool sample into your vet. If you have a dog that's all of a sudden not keeping weight on, they could have worms, they could have giardia. There's yeah. an, any number of things it could have intestinally 100% that are keeping that dog from keep, in, keeping weight on. bring
0: in a fecal. You can do you know, a workup with blood and everything else. But there the are fecal. some dogs that... You know, there is no medical reason for it and everything else. So think outside the box a little bit. Another thing is what are you feeding? Like if you're a kibble person, the farmer's dog is a really easy thing now that can get shipped to your door and, you know, you can give the dog a higher quality food. I've done home cook for the dogs before. We feed raw. There's a lot of different diets for dogs and, you know, looking into those as far as what's the cost benefit and the health benefit and everything else, like give that a gander because it could just be that the dog thinks that what you're feeding him sucks and he doesn't like it at all.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, we're big on the structured feeding, and one of the the big, um, I was just thinking about this, just that um, when your dog eats when food is offered, and that's just their routine, then when they don't, yeah, you then know you know something's, something's wrong yeah. with the dog. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't know, if, you, if they never eat when food is offered, they're yeah. always kind of grazing— then the problem you may not identify the problem for 3 days and 3 days with say intestinal blockage or some type of an issue is a long time yeah so it's nice that you know you give the dog food and that you know the dog eats every it eats every bit of food every morning and every bit of food at night And if it doesn't eat, now you're just conscious of that. Wow, didn't eat. Okay, we'll see how dinner goes tonight. Yeah. And now you you know that something's up with your dog. Yeah,
0: especially as they get up into the older years and you're not necessarily sure what's going on health-wise and everything else. And we're... We're big on the dogs that we raise and that we own. We kind of go off of feel first rather than run for a lot of testing or workups or anything else. Like we know our dogs, you know, if they're a little so-so on the food, maybe we'll go see what their stool looks like. We'll see what their activity level's like. Maybe we'll offer them a treat in the middle of the day. Okay. Did they like that? Are they just being picky? But then in that same vein, like if the dog is, you know, 10 plus years old and doesn't like a supplement, I give it like garlic or something. I'm not now going to have my ego take over and be like, well, this dog needs to eat this because this is what I want. And I know that garlic can be toxic to dogs, but there are supplements out there that help garlic with the You can research it. Bugs Off is a big one. Um, But there there are different supplements out there that do help with the ticks. And I don't do a lot of pesticidal treatment for those things. So then I'm not going to now be like, well, this is what I want to happen. And this is the only food you're going to get for five days. If the dog freaking hates something, I'm not going to just wait it out and be like, you know, what's going on here? But we know what's going into their bodies. We know what their normal behavior is like. And maybe we don't always with pet dogs. And that's okay. It's not uncommon that a dog in our care doesn't eat dinner the first night or maybe the second night. Like, that's okay. Hey, we've seen that before. There's actually um, a really cool lady, I think it's a Lady, she's out in uh, the Northwest, and I want to have her on the podcast at some point. But she's actually really big into like fasting with dogs, which I've always been curious about because humans talk about like, you know, when you want to fix something, like stop eating, your body will rejuvenate it. And she like full on says, like, you see this, you see this, fast. So I'm not advocating for that. But there's even a school of thought out there with that, which I think is fascinating as far as a health perspective and stuff. You think of an old dog that kind of has a so-so day. They're not big on food. You just start shoving whatever you can into them and then they end up puking. Like maybe they just needed 24 hours of nothing to work through whatever was going on in their biome and all this other stuff.
1: Uh, one of the first kennels that I started boarding at when I was in California. That's true. A German guy ran the kennel and he didn't feed any dogs on Sunday. Yeah. Sunday was a fasting day for the whole kennel. And um, I think that I would like to think that there was a health philosophy behind that. It wasn't just saving money on kibble. You know, it was just that was just the way he raised dogs in in Europe, and it was just a normal thing. No dogs ate on Sunday. Yeah, you know? and
0: it, it it depends, and we're not even advocating for fasting with dogs. But there are different philosophies out there, and I guess the main point is that if you have a dog that has changed the quantity of food they eat, and their exercise level hasn't changed that much, and they're just not eating the same amount of food they're probably a little bit heavy. And that is a touchy subject nowadays. I mean, dogs that are fit out there, like sport dogs and stuff that are fit, half of the population is like, that dog's emaciated. You should go to prison. That's terrible. Like, no, that dog is healthy in the same vein that like Scott and I go to the gym and we want to be healthy and we measure our body fat for that sake. And We probably don't look like a performance dog in that same vein. But what I'm saying is that it's okay.
1: to to get the shirt off. (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: we we can do that maybe. Maybe for the 100th episode, we'll do a big reveal, a big big muscle Mm -hmm. mass reveal. But literally, like this isn't just because a dog is fit, people are just not used to seeing that. We had a dog, uh, we had a Nova Scotia one time in. I mean, I swear to God, it looked like a coffee table. It was so. Large that it was like square. yeah it, it, I mean it really like it literally like had a flat surface and in that same house there was a dachshund and its stomach like dragged on the ground like these are health concerns and I know that those are extreme examples but we're just talking about cutting back food doing it for the health of the dog, because just like with humans, and I'm not trying to be all fat phobic and everything else in this culture, but obesity has a lot more risk factors to your health. So the healthier yeah. the dog is, the more, you know, fit the dog is and everything else. And of course, if it's an older dog, like our older dogs have at least a two or three pounds of extra on them, hands down, if something happens, like I understand that. But the more fit the dog is, the better. You should be able to feel those ribs, pretty easily, and most of the time you can't.
1: Yeah, I would say also that I'm the first one to admit that I spoil my dogs, and I think that we spoil our dogs in the household. But an overweight dog, in my mind, is an abused dog. Yeah. That's not healthy for the dog. the dog. We want our dogs to live as long as they possibly can where they can get up, go outside to go potty, come in and eat, and they get to a certain age where if that's all they can do, that's fine. They're not going to be able to do that if they're so friggin' overweight yeah. that they can't even support their own body. Yeah. So, you know, I give my dog uh, what I eat sometimes. And, you know, when we buy treats, we get the freeze-dried livers. You know, it's not inexpensive. And we do a lot of things for our dogs. We, we get them tons of toys. And we're, we really, you know, the majority of our expense, our household <laughs> expense, is just on our dogs. Yeah. That's what it is. And we've decided that this is the kind of lifestyle that we want. We're not complaining about that. But none of us have, we don't have fat dogs in the house. And we're very concerned about a dog that's getting overweight because we want them to be physically healthy so they can live a nice quality of life as long as we can keep them with us. Yeah. That's the main thing. And
0: like I would say, you spoiling your dogs, that may mean that Scott takes... A dog out and it's just hanging outside with him while he smokes a cigar or he'll go for a run with a dog or he'll... We'll, we'll you know. share
1: some munchkins at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs>
0: that's another but food that's... one. I was trying to do non-food ones. <laughs> um, or like, you know, go throw the ball for the dog. Like there are other things that the dog enjoys or if you're like really big on food, then do some like nose work games or something with the dog for food. Just these free treats, like be conscientious of the free treats. It's just like us when we go into this like mindless eating. That's not necessarily going to be good in the long term and it's not good for the dog in the long term either. And frankly, I'm sorry if I'm the first one to say it, but when the dog's sitting there barking at you at night, when you run and get him a cookie, that just means the dog's going to keep barking more later at night, the next day, the next week, in the middle of the night. Like when we now are like, oh, he must be hungry. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I could use a treat. Like, get up, bitch. Let's see what you got. So like be conscious of that also.
1: I just want to bring up an example of a a client that I had recently with a puppy. Great puppy, had in for training. Really nice dog. And this um, gentleman that owns a puppy, when he came home from boarding and training, he had a steak for the dog. And he just gives the dog the steak. And I said, you know, I'm not opposed to giving a dog a steak. I think it's high. You can't get much higher quality than a nice human-grade steak for a dog. But I said, why don't you incorporate that yeah, into the, co- the come save it for recalls or something. Yeah, You know, cut it up into small pieces. Come, get steak. But he just wanted to... Love the dog, spoil the dog with this steak. And it's just, it's kind of a waste in my mind. It's like, I I'm not opposed to giving the dog some great, you know, human grade meat, but have them work a little bit, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, and I'm this not. Just makes the
1: work more fun.
0: I'm not opposed to a snuffle mat or a lick mat. Um, in regards, were. no, in regards to like handling, I'm not like, if, you know, if there's a dog that doesn't like its nails done and, It's an older dog and you don't want to mess with it. You want to put some peanut butter on something to distract it. Fine, if that's going to help you. But just as like a basic rule of thumb, like about having, you know, snuffle mats and lick mats. If you put those out for the dogs just as a recreational thing and they leave, they don't like finish that or they don't finish this brain game with the food that means they really probably weren't that hungry in the first place. Like if they're not willing to work for it that much and then they're just like, Oh, it was too much work. Then don't run and say, okay, here's a bunch of free treats from the fridge. And this isn't to be hard on anyone or make anyone feel bad. This is to impart some knowledge onto you that we have seen Years and years and years, and I have data of almost freaking 80 dogs here of dogs that have been in our care that like, you can get weight off dogs pretty easily. And it is for the greater good. The long-term benefit, like Scott said, for the joints, for their brains, for their health, for so many different reasons, it, it can be a night and day difference depending on, you know, the activity level they had when they were younger and everything else. So. Be conscientious of how much the dogs are eating. If the bag says to give a certain amount and the dog's not finishing it, as long as the vet doesn't say that they're supremely underweight and you can't feel their ribs in such a way that they look and seem emaciated, give them less food than the bag calls for. That's okay. As Scott said... There's marketing. They market those treats, subscribe and save, send the treats every month, do this every month. And we're all about treats. But if your dog's heavy and that's still going into their systems, you're not gonna be able to take weight off easily.
1: One thing, uh, a good movie to watch, it's called Dogs, I think. Oh yeah, and it was, uh, we loved that movie. This uh, woman director, she followed a group of dogs around Turkey, homeless yeah. dogs, street dogs. For And then she made this you know, movie for an hour and a half or whatever it was. And it was interesting because they were, like, really some of the most balanced, yeah, we are so mentally fascinated. <laughs> healthy dogs I've seen. They yeah. were they were not underweight. <laughs> yep. They were not aggressive. They were good with people. They just had, because they weren't the center of attention. Yeah, They were, like, they acted like dogs, yep. you know, and it was really nice to see. I mean, you have to be interested in, in dog behavior maybe to really appreciate it. But they passed a law in Turkey where you couldn't kill um, homeless dogs like they were like i guess there was at one point they were just rounding up these homeless dogs and euthanizing them all and the all of the you know the public just protested and passed a law where they couldn't do that and they started tagging them kind of like cattle or something or like you know endangered species in a sense they would tag them so that if there was a problem with a dog they'd know okay this is the same dog that had a problem over here and then maybe they would take it and euthanize it if it had some aggression issues or something but it was just nice. It was to interesting
0: see. to see that that environment wasn't causing so much stress that those dogs were overeating, even when they had access to more garbage or something. So they they naturally do regulate more than one would think, um, especially if they're in a good headspace. And it is interesting from a behavioral perspective. We saw that on our vacation and enjoyed it a lot.
1: Yeah, it was nice. So. All right,
0: my quirky tips are updated. January, February, and March were up. Now April, May, and June are up. I'll get um, July, August, and September up next month. In October, we're going to have our 100th episode. Like, a lot of things are rocking and rolling. We have some fun guests on later this month. And uh, in the meantime, keep it quirky. (coughs) Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.